Hello and happy Tuesday, my friends. This is Amy Lee, and I'd like to welcome you back to another informative episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we provide insights and visibility into products and solutions across the Cisco portfolio and trending topics across our industry. If you like our podcast, please follow us and feel free to share your favorite episodes with your colleagues and friends. Of course, if you have any thoughts or comments on what we should cover in a future episode, you can let us know. Talk with us on Twitter at, at Cisco Champion. All right. Today we are talking about email security. In particular, we are going to talk about the changing threat landscape and how you can leverage existing Cisco solutions to mitigate the rise in these threats. To drive the conversation, we have two amazing Cisco champions, Mark Lucher and Liam Keegan, and our resident Cisco expert, Usman Din. Okay, we're going to jump into introductions. Liam, I'm going to start with you. Who are you? Thanks again for having me back. Uh, my name is Liam Keegan. I run the uh, U.S. operations for 24-7 Networks of Rio Bravo. Uh, my background is more on the technical side, so I've been a CCIE for 20-plus you know, years. Uh, I've, I've, I've done some, some email security in my day, and I'm super excited to listen to Usman tell us kind of how, how things are changing and what we need to be keeping on our radars. So once again, thanks for having me. Super excited. Thanks for being here. All right, Mark, my friend. Hi, Emily. My name is Mark Lüscher. I am now working for AWS as a senior solution architect. But in my previous life, I've been working in the email security space, I would say for 25 plus years. So I'm sure I can ask nice questions for Usman to answer today. All right. Moving to you, Usman. Thank you for joining us today and being on the podcast again. This is your second episode with us. Um, who are you and what do you do at Cisco? First of all, thank you again for inviting me back. Uh, hopefully that means that I did good on my first one. Uh, <laughs> uh, again, my name is Uzman Dean. I'm a director of product uh, for email security at Cisco. Been with Cisco for since the Ironport acquisition back in 2007. Um, so I worked my way up from being a, uh, an SE to being a product manager to a principal and now the director of product here at Cisco. Um, I live, breathe, eat, sleep, uh, email security. It's all I think about pretty much 24 seven. And, uh, you know, I've had the pleasure of working with uh, guys like Mark, uh, for a very, very long time and, you know, love his expertise. And, you know, I'm really happy to have this podcast with him and share some, uh, some insights of where we're going for the future. All right. Well, looking forward to talking about the future. Um, but before we get there and before the champions take over, can you help us set up with some background, maybe where we've been and. And where we're yeah. at today. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the email market has been uh, changing quite a bit in the last little while. Uh, you know, back in the day when I first started with Ironport, I would literally drive around with appliances in the trunk of my car and and then go to a customer, drop it off and say, OK, I'll see you back in two weeks to pick up the PO. Like, it was a much different world when it came down to, uh, you know, selling email security and actually deploying it out there. It was relatively simple, spam and viruses. That's what you had to worry about. And we had this thing called reputation uh, filtering, which, you know, did a lot of the heavy lifting for us up front. And that was a huge innovation uh, back in the day. Um, you know, fast forward to where we are today, it's completely different, right? No one really talks about spam and viruses anymore. It's about BEC, it's about the spear phishing. It's the, the, the attacks moving laterally inside your environment that are causing the most amount of pain uh, that we're seeing out there. And so with the advent of these new technologies or new ways of proliferating threats inside your environment, there had to be new ways to be able to detect those things. And one thing that became clear over time was that um, 
the appliances were running out of capabilities. What we could do on a physical uh, box uh, was somewhat limited. Uh, even though we tried to you know, squish as much as we can inside of there, uh, what we really need to do was expand to the cloud. And so in 2019, we actually launched something called email threat defense. At the time it was called cloud mailbox. Uh, now it's reading into email threat defense. And that solution in particular was you know, built within Cisco. Wait, so that's a pretty big thing is that you know, we actually went out and uh, got the people versus the product to, to, to build something organically within inside of Cisco. But with that, we made some big investments inside of data science. And in particular, we, we tasked those folks to be able to figure out how to solve the BEC problem. It is a $2 billion plus problem we're having um, across email security. No one vendor has a single solution for this. Um, so how do we use data science and machine learning to help us understand the, t the threats and techniques that are being used uh, by the threat actors to be able to detect them and then you know, take appropriate actions on them? And so email threat defense really is that platform that allows us to innovate in these new, new ways to be able to bring in uh, data science experts, bring in visibility, bring in a whole new way of being able to visualize uh, the threats that are inside the environment. All that's being done inside the email threat defense. And we're not forgetting about our appliance customers on top of that. We're, there are ways for our appliance, appliance uh, customers to connect into ETD or email threat defense to be able to get that additional visibility. Uh, and Mark's an expert at that. He's been able to leverage that for both uh, his on-prem and cloud environments um, and leveraging that as a total solution. Uh, but the idea was to be able to, to leverage that cloud platform to get the machine learning and NLP type technologies. And as we started to go forward, leverage more of the AI type technologies into that platform. Okay, thank you for the introduction, Usman. And as always, the first question. So we see we see a lot of changes in the threat landscape. We have major competitors from Cisco, which also started to build solutions which integrate directly into Office 365. Mm -hmm. um, but the area I think I'm most interested is what I call the race of chat GPT. And the reason I'm mentioning it about two, three weeks ago, I had a little bit fun with ChatGPT and I asked it to write me an email malware, which can be not easily detected. And unfortunately, I was amazed of the quality of result, which I was given by that tool. What is Cisco's answer to that? It's a, it's a long and complex answer <laughs> to that. Um, and it's not easy, right? Um, actually, I had the opportunity to play around with it as well when it first came out and I was continuously playing with it, um, specifically to write exploit emails. You know, it tells you that you shouldn't be doing this or we're not supposed to do this. And then, you know, you have your, you word it a little bit differently and you get what you want. Uh, but you're right, the, the level of, you know, just you can't simply say, well, bad grammar, I can knock it off as being something that I can, I can detect or something like that. Um, you're going to get very well-crafted exploits uh, for both, you know, whether you're trying to uh, get, you know, Bitcoin, whether you're trying to do, uh, you know, malware, whatever it is, you can get some very, very nice you know, sort of packages that you can send off um, as, a, as an attacker. So there's a couple of key things that we want to be able to do. I think we have to look in how we can reverse some of that technology. There are ways of being able to detect whether it's being AI-generated type of emails and stuff like that. So um, there's something you could potentially do there. Uh, but at the same time, we are leveraging um, ChatGPT in itself, right? To be able to look at that content and actually start to understand what the context is around that. So you can use 
different types of NML and NLP to be able to uh, understand urgency and, and the call for action and stuff like that. That's, you know, that's stuff that's uh, readily available out there. I think where we need to make our next investment is leveraging those tool sets that are out there. Um, and there's not just chat. There's tons of them out there right now that can do the same kind of thing uh, to be able to uh, leverage the detect itself, basically, in a way that allows us to be able to say this is being generated by AI or this is this email itself is something that's being targeted toward a particular individual. Uh, there are indicators inside of there that can help us out with that. And we're building on top of that as well. So we're, we're actually looking at how we can leverage uh, those uh, private tools to be able to, um, to be tech, that kind of content, but it's going to be a, you know, like everything else about cascade, it's, there's going to be newer tools every week, every day. You can see the number of AI tools coming out is dramatic. It went from, you know, ChatGPT three to now having 40, 50 tools that can generate text, images, sound, everything um, inside an AI engine. So it's it's a, it's a heavy uh, place of investment for us to look at in terms of how we want to go forward with AI. I'm really curious. I mean, Mark, you 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 said that you've been doing email security for you know a, a, a number of years. What are you seeing with your customer bases, yeah, or with your customers? How, how is their threat landscape changing? Like, what, what are you, I mean, as, as, as somebody who specialized in this, like, what, what, what's your, what's your take on this? I would, I would say it's changing in ways we had not really expected. Like when Usman mentioned BEC, people usually tend to see BEC higher are the C levels and so on. What we see now, the landscape has changed in a way that it's, Attacker is leveraging like social media platforms, as an example, LinkedIn, to see like who are all the people which are working in the procurement department. And then the people in the procurement uh, department are attacked with a specific attack. The attack is framed in a way that it fits into the business process of the company. It's not like one of those typical red flags where you can say, oh, the text is bad, it's badly translated, it looks not nice and so on. Attacks are now perfect. They use perfect logos, they use perfect uh, sentences. And what is even worse is they start to use the systems which are used in normal business transaction, meaning the mails look like Salesforce generated. They look in the right context. They have the right elements. They have the right names. They have the right links. And that makes it extremely, extremely difficult to detect. And we see more and more of those extremely highly sophisticated attacks. And I have to be honest, I think it's no longer a if, it's more a when the first person will fall for it. So, so Usman, I mean, based on that extremely scary narrative that Mark just painted for us, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to go delete my mailbox and go home. I'm just, my, my new communications platform is just Twitter for everything. Uh, so, so what, what's Cisco doing to what's Cisco really doing to 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 handle these these this just vastly changed threat landscape? Yeah, and the thing I kind of alluded to in the beginning is that you know where we excelled back in the day when we started talking about reputation and stuff right. like that. 
like that was that was fantastic you know because everyone would be using their, their comcast ip addresses to send email it's easy enough for us to block those right um and and we would stop like 90 96 98 of the messages even before content scanning with reputation filtering right it was fantastic back in the day but as you know mark alluded to we, we can't we can't use that anymore they're coming from a trusted source like office 365 or sftc or wherever right so the 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 use of reputation on the ip level is is not right and we can't really use that as much it's not useless but it is you know dramatically reduced um we we entered we introduced something called domain reputation which has filled the gap somewhat in terms of how we would look at how an, uh, an email come in so yes you may be coming from sftc but are you really you know ibm or, or ebay or whatever you know are you really that domain and so we're able to look at things around the actual structure of the the email self and the reply to and the from etc to look at the domain information and validate that above and beyond what people will do with, with dmarket and stuff like that but really for those hard to detect threats what's really needed is a relationship graph understanding the the relationship between sender and receiver the domains the ip addresses the volume of the emails that they're sending where is the actual um, you know anomalies inside that message traffic to be able to say yeah there is a particular problem in here and it's not going to be black and white like it used to be right it's going to be a lot of gray area inside of this um, and so that's where your confidence level has to go up with the detections leveraging the machine learning and nlp so one of the things that we we did inside of etd was ensured that we didn't black box it um, if you're familiar with the iron port back in the day we used to call everything spam it was just an easy way to blanket every threat out there just called the spam and everyone took the same action against spam um so what we did inside of email threat defense said we're not going to do that again what we're going to do is tell you the indicators that we've seen within the email itself so was there a you know request to uh you know click on a link well that's an indicator it's not necessarily bad but that's an indicator right is there a new mapping a new relationship again nothing necessarily bad but Again, it's an indicator. So those little pieces of evidence start adding up. And then you start adding, well, they're asking for direct deposit or payroll information. Well, they're asking you to reset your password. Um, so you start adding up these little pieces of evidence. It's like anything else. You build your case. And now we can say, yeah, this is actual BEC because of all different things inside there. And we tell the customer that. So when you look in the UI, you can see, well, this is marked as BEC because these are the indicators that we found inside that email. So it helps you give you a little more confidence in saying we are looking at those factors to be able to say this is going to be categorized as BEC. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to catch everything, but when we start showing more of those factors, A, there's going to be a feedback mechanism to be able to say, yeah, you know what, you guys missed this. This is actually BEC because of this, this, and this, or we caught it and this is the reasons why. So you have that, you know, that visibility inside the UI to be able to show that. And, and, and for the listeners that may not know, could you explain what BEC is? I mean, we've used that acronym, I think, a, a, yeah, absolutely. a bunch. So business email compromise means many different things to many different people. But basically, this is where uh, you have an attack that is trying to extract money from you. And that's the best way of categorizing that. That This is going to be where you are experiencing wire fraud, your payroll uh, direct deposit type of thing. Anything that relates to, relates to attacking your business and extracting funds is typically what we call BEC. Right. It's a little bit different than what we call phishing, right? Phishing would look for your credentials. So it's going to look for specific pieces of information that they're trying to get from you so that they can launch a bigger attack. Um, but when you're looking at BEC, 
you've already been, you know, either compromised or fished or whatever it may be. And now you're starting to see legitimate senders like, you know, leveraging an external ATO, for example, for suppliers to say, change your direct deposit. Right. And then when you do that, they're asking for a $10 million wire or whatever that may be, that money's gone. And, you know, that counts as what the, at least the FBI continues to be uh, BEC attack. So if, if, if we're talking about this evolution of threat landscape, and you made a really interesting point before, like in the Ironport days, it was like spam, not spam, yes. right? It was very, very binary, black and white. And now I, I was just reading in the news, there was a popular YouTube channel that got hacked and taken offline. And it was, it, it was, it was the, like the payload didn't arrive in the first attack. It was, you know, it was the introductory email that said, we'd like to sponsor you. And then it was, you know, like a step two, step three. And then finally the malicious payload showed up. So is is just maybe like super simplifying this for for email threat defense is like is the approach to, instead of just looking at it binary is to like almost keep track of like the roster of this conversation happened uh, last Tuesday and then the follow up conversation happened you know next Thursday right like that that type of thing where there's an actual like lineage almost is 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 that more like what Cisco's how Cisco's approaching this. Yeah, absolutely. So that initial lure is what we call that email uh, that comes in initially. Um, we have certain detectors that look for that lure. So are they, you know, the non-payload type of attacks by far are the hardest. They're not going to have much to it. Uh, they'll come from a legitimate Gmail address. They'll come uh, with very little information about anything, no payload, no URLs. It's literally just email saying, hey, we'd like to talk to you, but we'd like to keep it discreet. We'd like to keep it on the low or whatever that may be, right? Um, so those type of detectors, they're very hard to fire on. Uh, but again, by leveraging a lot of the new NLP and, and machine learning techniques, plus the stuff we learned in the past. So the one of the things that we what, what makes Cisco unique is that, you know, yeah, reputation is not necessarily 100% effective now as it was before, just because of the sources of information are all coming from well, Microsoft or Google. Doesn't mean we forget about it, right? So because we have that large, uh, you know, legacy of information around domain reputation, IP reputation, file reputation, URL reputation, all that information is being leveraged in the back end to add to the machine learning. And I think that's where the enrichment comes in to say, yes, it may be initial lure, but we have detected that this IP address doesn't usually sell, send for you know this particular domain. And so we're able to link that information together and say, well, there's two pieces of information plus the uh, you know, the call to action to keep things quiet, plus, you know, the call to action or the urgency around, hey, I'd like to have a quick discussion. Those things all add together to be able to identify the initial lure. And if we, even if we don't um, pick up that first one, there's other pieces along the puzzle that we are able to stitch together. So we have something called the conversation view that allows you to see when that email first came in, who was patient zero, when did the actual attack get injected in there? So, you know, they changed the reply to, for example. Um, that would be where we can actually pinpoint this is where that initial lure happened and this is where the actual attack or payload came in. What are you seeing as far as how organizations, like what organization, because obviously we're talking about the technology elements here, mm -hmm. right? But, you know, behind, like I'm the worst email user ever, you know, I click on every link, you know, just out of habit. Uh, what what do users that was a joke what do you what do what do organizations need to do to 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 train their users to 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 address these like evolving threats that me might be answered that one now once yeah um Please. the way we 
the way we organized it is uh, we had multiple inspection points. That means every SMTP uh, message which came into the environment was first terminated on the firewalls and inspected on the firewalls. The second step is the email was then forwarded to the on-prem email security gateway. It was again validated and inspected on the on-prem email security gateway. The email security gateway then said, okay, at this moment in time, the URL was good. What then happens is the email security gateway send those emails uh, to Office 365. In Office 365, we did again an inspection of the email the moment the user opened the email up and clicked the link. But even with a triple inspection, we had cases where the payload was written in a way that there were moments where the link was pointing to a bad payload on the internet. And the moment we investigated that link again, the payload, uh, the payload was pointing at a normal safe site. So even if you have multiple inspection points of a URL, that doesn't give you the guarantee that it's a good email. Usman, how can we solve that? <laughs> Mark, I hate you. <laughs> um, so one of the things that we did actually launched, uh, it was like maybe late last year, uh, is something called cloud URL analysis. So, you know, before that we were leveraging a couple different techniques to be able to look at URLs, right? There's, you know, obviously the reputation pieces, which we would gather telemetry from multiple different places, like obviously from the open DNS acquisition, uh, from uh, cloud web security. Remember the back in the day we bought CWS, um, as well as, um, you know, with the, the web security appliance, the, pro the proxy that we had. So we had multiple ways of being able to assess a URL. Um, but one, the, the one thing was that those were all at the time of scan. What we, what we tasked Talos with was be able to figure out a way of being able to continuously monitor these URLs, specifically ones that are suspect, right? Um, so what we came up with is something called Cloud URL Analysis, or CUA. And that is a service that every URL, this is open to all email customers that we have. So whether you're using uh, your appliances, you're using the Cloud Gateway, or you're using uh, email threat defense. When the URL is submitted, it goes through this process of a static analysis, which you know looks at your your looks for malware, anything embedded inside the URL, whatever it may be. Um, then what it does is actually does a crawl on that URL. So with the crawl of the URL, it allows us to grab some back information, the code, the you know how it's being executed, what's the actual target. So if there's a URL to be redirected, go get the actual redirect, follow that as many times as needs be until uh, we get to the base URL. Once we get to that base URL, then anything that's being downloaded, a file, you know, whatever it may be, can be then downloaded and exploded to look for uh, potentially malicious activity on that itself. And then we keep track of that URL um, for a specified amount of days. I won't disclose the exact amount of days, but there is a, you know, there's a specified amount of time that we will keep track of that URL um, to see if there's any changes on it. If there is something that changes with that URL, uh, we then send a retrospective alert. That alert can be used either as an email-based alert or 
we can reach into the mailboxes and if that URL, the email still exists, we can remove the mailbox and um, remove the message itself. And then we can send an alert as well saying, hey, these are the emails that have the URL inside of it. These are who it got targeted to. This is the exploit that was sitting inside of it, et cetera. There's a whole bunch of information that being sent. And then you get the information. Like you said, Mark, nothing's going to, like, they know that we'll wait 15 minutes. They know uh, how to change the URL based on the victim that's being targeted. So they may have a very victim-specific URL that's going there. They'll be using Google Docs to be able to hide their payload as well, right? They're, and what we've done is that we've integrated with the APIs to be able to figure out what's happening in the back end. So there's a bunch of apps from uh, from Google and Microsoft and other ones that we've integrated with from an API perspective to figure out what the actual content is behind it. Um, so we're, we're, we're continuously trying to make changes around how we go about threat detection within a URL. We realize that is obviously the bit, number one sort of way of being able to get that um, to get the payload into that end user's mailboxes to use that URL. Thing about Microsoft, um, recently there was an exploit hitting the Microsoft platform um, mm -hmm. in an email form where you didn't even have to open the email to get infected. Can you talk a little bit about that and what Cisco is doing in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. So that was an interesting one, uh, really interesting one because it came in through email, but really nothing really detectable inside of email, right? Uh, really what it came down to was that it was launching some sort of mapping process on the endpoint. And so the our EDR actually picked up on it a lot quicker than, than the email portion of it. We did end up putting some rules in there to be able to block around that so that we realized that kind of mind content was coming in. But what the, the big picture is that um, what we're starting to see that there are a lot more open vulnerabilities inside of Microsoft's uh, Office 365 environment that are being exploited. Another one came out actually recently after that. I don't know if you saw this, where um, there was an endpoint exploit that would actually launch a PDF over email through their Outlook client into you know whatever they were relating to, but it was it was sending out you know millions of messages of, of exploited PDFs out to end users as well. I, I forgot the name of that particular attack, but I mean, what we're just seeing is that the trust that we have between the mailbox, the client, and you know, the ability to relay messages in and outbound your environment is being exploited by those attackers. And so there's a set of rules that we can put in, uh, but at the end of the day, there's also gotta be layer protection between not only your, your, your email gateway and whatever you're using to protect against the email born threats, but also on your endpoint and your website. You, you, it has to all work together. And, and, and I mean, like the thing that I was sort of thinking when you were talking about kind of has, has this threat landscape has evolved, it's almost like in, in the email realm, you, you've built two things, right? Number one is you built basically a search engine that just looks for malicious crap but not at point in time, it's it's over time, right? Whether it's two hours mm -hmm. or 30 days or six years or whatever, right? It's like, hey, this URL is good right now and now it's got some payload on it, right? So it's like, right. it's, it's interesting that Cisco basically is running its own, I mean, would you would you agree with the characterization like their own backend search engine to just find stuff based on what's coming in in emails, right? Yes. And then the, the, the other piece is almost like email needs that like CASB kind of, interaction or integration to all of these these providers meaning like how do you make sure that your salesforce links coming in are good well you do that via api hooks right to to be able to say yeah we know that this is good and we know that there's not something farther down the the attack chain that, that that's kind of compromised something and the, it, it all goes back to that like it's not ip reputation it's like it's almost like 
overall? Like just like, I think you mentioned, use the word conversational. It's a conversational reputation. It's like, is it trending up or trending down? I, I right. think it's fascinating that you now have to like, it's almost flipped 180 degrees from what it was of like, yes, no, spam, not spam to, uh-uh. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's over, the, over the next eight weeks, we have to find out if this is still safe or not. Yeah, absolutely. And even, you know, we're seeing that even with password protected files, right? They're, they know better than to send the password with the actual uh, original email. They'll send it, you know, a couple hours later, a different conversation, different subject, different sender sometimes. So, uh, you know, they're evolving their techniques as quickly as they can. Um, and that requires us to, to record more, right? And that's really where, you know, it circles back to like, there's only so much you can do on the appliances, right? There's only so much you, right. can do. you yeah. have to leverage the cloud because there's so much data you need to keep track of. There's no way you can do that. Like the number of emails that we need to, so, you know, to be able to do that retrospect on the URL, imagine now the number of things we need to keep track of the emails itself, the recipients, number of times we've seen it, who's got it, number of customers that got it, that, that amount of database that we need to keep is extremely large. So you're going to need a bigger trunk for those iron port appliances. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, but I think you mentioned a good point, Liam, because um, another attack vector we see very often is what we call VEC. Um, in the case Usman described before, where like you, you can protect pretty much or analyze the communication between a vendor and yourself in a certain pattern. Mm -hmm. but, uh, what if a vendor account which you in the past trusted highly suddenly gets compromised. Yeah, that's and unfortunately that happens more often than what you think. So now you get into roadmap stuff. So one of the things that I'm building right now, looking into how we're going to build is something called supply chain monitoring. Um, and that is sort of the top of mind for me right now, because you're right. The BECs that were, VECs that we're seeing uh, even my previous example, I said that your supplier gets you know, compromised. It's not even, you know, you, you're, you're the primary target, but they're coming in through a trusted channel. Um, so whether that's, you know, you're in construction and you have a supplier that's, you know, using raw materials that are supplying to you and they've been compromised, uh, you know, when, when the accounts receivable person or payable person gets that information, they're not going to think twice about, oh, wait, yeah, you know what? Uh, they change their bank account. It happens all the time. Let's go move that money over to that new place, right? Or they got a bill that's outstanding. So there's two things that we're looking at there. First of all, is the you know the vendor caught myself? So have they been part of a breach before? Are they using components that we know of that have been named inside of a breach, right? That's you know your number one piece of information. The second one, you're sending posture. Are they using DMARC, SPFD, Kim? And then they're sending history, volume, all the kind of stuff. We're leveraging all that to build a model of each of the suppliers that we have around there or each of your suppliers that you have so that we can sort of say, this is what normal looks like for this particular supplier, right? And is there a particular change in that? The second thing what I think is very interesting is about intent-based file analysis. And so this is something that we're, that is new that, that our Talos team is developing is around understanding the intent of the attachment itself. So a lot of times you get an attachment, it's not malicious, it's an invoice. It's asking you to sign a merger acquisition document. There's nothing necessarily, um, bad with that but we want to understand what the file is asking you to do is this asking you to pay an invoice for a, a number a sort of some money that you haven't paid before to a vendor that you haven't talked to before to an account that you haven't necessarily wired money to before so getting those signals out of the attachment itself is going to be another way we have to look at supply chain and be able to say mm, something's necessarily wrong wrong here we need to make them flag this with some sort of indication or block that email or strip the attachment but at least put some risk 
associated with that particular sender with these signals coming in. So that's sort of where we're going in the future with supply chain and file-based stuff. So maybe like go, just just sort of saying, you know, for, for our listeners that that are not living and breathing this stuff every day, and I'm, I'm curious to get both Usman and, and, and Mark's perspective, like what do you think a couple of things, of course, other than email threat defense and integrating that into your organization, like what, what do you think a, a couple of, Things that that every organization, you know, midsize, small, large, should should be doing to kind of com combat these next gen, just, just more difficult uh, attack vector or threat vectors. Usman, I mean, any 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 thoughts that I, I'm going to say this though, being a vendor is don't buy into the narrative of a single vendor being your complete solution, right? Um, <laughs> that is, you know, typically what we're hearing from a CISOs, right? And it's unfortunate um, where. Uh, sometimes uh, they get swept up with, you know, one vendor for everything um, that's going to solve all your problems. You're going to need to layer stuff, right? And you need different views on stuff, right? And and so we need to be careful how we position uh, all the different le levels of security we have, specifically for email, just because you're going to buy Microsoft, you're going to get the EOP solution, fantastic, use it. Don't turn it off because that is a layer that you should be leveraging on top of that. But that's not the only thing you want to be able to do, right? Leveraging in a solution either at the gateway beforehand or using some sort of supplemental solution is something you're going to need to put inside uh, for email security. And then, you know, your EDR has to be there as well. Your web security has to be there as well. It can't be just like, oh, well, you know what? I'm just going to use one solution for everything and we're good for to go, right? There, there, no magic beans. Yeah, exactly. There is none like that, right? So. Um, I just hope that we're able to to use that narrative uh, to be able to under, make everyone sort of understand that there has to be multiple layers and there's nothing wrong with using the technology that you've bought, right? It's great to use, you know, if you've made the investment, use it, but also layer on things that are going to help you with that, that are providing at least some additional benefit. So I would add two things to it, Usman. I'm still fully surprised how little companies have implemented DMARC email authentication protocol currently in real life. I think if you look at the overall worldwide statistics, we are still not over 50%. It's yes, it will not protect you from everything, but it definitely helps a lot to get a lot of the bad emails out of your environment. The second point I want to mention is Usman, you mentioned SPFD, Kim DMARC very often. I would be interested in hearing about ARC because now Office 365 uh, checking ARC signatures, it would be interesting to see how that can be used to reduce the threat landscape. I think that ARC needs a little more adoption. Yes, Microsoft is adopting it. I believe Google has adopted it as well. So, sorry, what, what is ARC? I've never heard of this. <laughs> A is authenticated, uh, C is control, and the R, I need to Google it. <laughs> it's a way that we don't break DMARC uh, in sort okay. of the simplest terms, right? Because a lot of the hosted solutions out there um, that are leveraging a gateway um, end up breaking DMARC. Um, so this particular one stamps additional headers so that any downstream providers ensures that, yes, this is actually DMARC authenticated. Um, I think in the simplest way, right, Mark, that's the gist of what we're trying to get at with ARC, right? Definitely. I think the gist is uh, if you forward an email which is DMARC protected, it breaks the signature, ARC is supposed to fix that. Oh, okay. Okay. 
So it, it does help extend uh, some of the some of the blind spots around DMARC uh, when you start forwarding emails and start uh, you know getting that. So it is um, it is important for us to be able to ensure that standards are being met. And this is more applicable to our gateway solution than it is to ETD. And so with the gateway solution, it is on our roadmap to start implementing ARC uh, in the next uh, six to eight months. Um, and it is you know going to help us out again. DMARC adoption isn't high. And you kind of alluded to that, right? I think we're starting to see maybe 30 to 40%, which is better than a couple of years ago, which is like in the single digits. Uh, but again, it's hard. It's not necessarily easy for a lot of organizations to jump right into DMARC and start putting it in. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes a resource to be able to do it. Um, and these also, you need to get an understanding of your entire sending landscape, right? It's not just about how much email domains I have. It's also about to talk about um, who's sending on my behalf, right? Because you got, a lot of times marketing will spin up a new server and start sending emails to an IP that you've never seen before. Um, and then that, you know, breaks a lot of different things. So the ability to, to simplify your email flow and control it as well as understand who's sending on that, that in itself is a, a multi-month project for, and for some organizations, multi-year projects. So by leveraging a solution uh, like Cisco Domain Protection or, uh, and stuff that we have can help you index and, and get that information but it still requires you time and effort to actually set it all up. Can you maybe just take a second and talk like if, if, if organizations are wanting to protect their, their inboxes with email threat defense, like, is this something that you need 700 appliances and seven years of professional services to implement, or can, can you just sort of walk, yeah. like walk us through real quick? How is this sort of monetized and what is, what is an organization? How does an organization like achieve some, some results with it? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we built email threat defense to be deployable in five minutes and we, you know, we stuck to that. So it literally takes you five minutes to uh, basically set up your, all your login. Um, you go through two screens, basically saying, how do you want to connect to us? You know, and that's basically using a journal copy, using a gateway copy, or you're sending a BCC or whatever that may be. There's a couple different ways to be able to, not sorry, BCC, but you're sending a couple different ways of being able to, um, to how you want to get the mail ingested into it. Then you say, what permissions I want to give you? Do you want read only? Do you want read write? Right? So do you want me just to monitor your mailbox or do you want me to take an actions on your mailbox? Um, once that's done, that's it. You're in. You create, you create the journal rule on Office 365 and we start seeing mail right away. So you don't need to have uh, you know, a, a long engagement to be able to, to start evaluating the, the abilities of the platform. A lot of times you see customers do everything on their own. Right, they're able to do the entire the provisioning and deployment on their own, and kind of like in the Iron Four days, they come back in a couple of weeks and say, "Here's your PO." Right, so it's it's a nice little way of uh, you know of getting back to the way we were when it comes out to email security. But I mean, that's a, that's a good that's a good question. Like like for people that want to try it, there is a trial. Right? Yeah, this, this is something that anybody can. They can launch the trial through the Azure Marketplace, or they can do it directly from the Cisco security website. So we have a trial link there. Uh, you sign up, you'll get a welcome email pretty much within a minute or two. And then from there you deploy. And so you could literally, what we say is between the time you pick up the phone to call Cisco and ask about it and to the time you hang up, you're pretty much deployed. Um, and so we made it very simple. And then the threats that we show are all there. So it takes, you know, with any sort of machine learning, it takes a couple of weeks to get sort of caught up and understand your traffics, but we still have the other detections like your, you know, we still leverage the reputation and span based stuff. So we're, we're picking up on things even right from the, from day zero of, of the threats that we see inside the mailboxes. Oh, fantastic.
So I could talk for hours with you, Usman, but now me being AWS, I need to ask you one question. Oh man. When well, can we when can we see you leveraging the AWS platform for the email threat landscape solutions? Well, it depends what you mean, because right now email threat defense is kind of unique in that we operate in two clouds simultaneously, meaning that we split our architecture up in that the ingest portions and the actual evaluation is being done inside the Azure cloud. But all of the metadata processing of the UI, all the search capabilities, everything we do is actually set of AWS. So we have actually a patent on this where we are the, you know, we actually have this split architecture where we, you know, have both clouds working so that even if for some reason we lose the capability of one cloud, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're completely out of the water. So we have a split cloud architecture right now, um, and that allows us to operate in both places. And then on top of that, we are talking to the AWS folks around um, how we get into the marketplace and how we leverage some of the, the newer features in AWS for our architecture as well. Thank you. No problem. All right. So before I close this, do you have any other final thoughts or comments that you'd like to make? No, I'd like to say this. Thank you to the team here. It's been a great conversation, a lot of great topics that we have, and I can't wait to do it again. Yes. You're going to be a lifetime guest. All right. To our listeners, if you want to continue your learning, you can learn more at cisco.com forward slash go forward slash email security. This link is also provided in the show notes below. And of course, your weekly reminder. You can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to click on that subscribe or follow button now. Thank you for listening in. See you next episode.